Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hi, Chrissy, how are you? I'm great, I'm very excited. How has your week been? Yeah, week's been good. It's been uh, it's been pretty packed. Been focusing on um, a lot of work opportunities, but also I had a, a meeting with the my local library because um, I'm interested in doing some community work uh, uh, with them. And so um, yeah, I got to meet uh, some members of the library, and they showed me around. Uh, it was really inter- interesting seeing the back end of how the library works. So yeah, I'm interested in um, getting involved in some volunteer work. And giving back to the community. So that was uh, that was really that was a great highlight of my week. Awesome. Brilliant. And what and what like kind of work would you be doing at the library? Just curious. Oh, so it varies. It can be anything from, for example, they hold um numerous events um throughout the year and they need organizers um to prep um for that event. There's also things like, for example, the elderly community, uh, members of the elderly community who may not be mobile enough to come into the library. And so it's a case of um, running around with um, on like a mobile um, uh, book bus and then delivering books, that kind of checking in on and making sure they're okay in our homes. Um, It could be just general library work or in terms of um, just directing and giving members of the public some information um, about um, what they're looking for. It could be um, holding reading times for children. In my local library, we've actually got some stairs, some colourful stairs, which you can actually sit on. I didn't realise, but there's, they actually, uh, in the early morning, they, they actually convert that into a slide. Oh, how cool. So you, get, so you get lots of kids in the morning around eight, between eight and nine, and they actually come in and actually go through the slide. And then after they've kind of like, yeah, or they basically have, have like a few books read to one, but that's their playtime. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I would love that. So, I, I wish they had that in my library. I know that's right. I remember when I was, I remember when I was younger. I I do I did have an experience where there was a book bus where a bus used to come. I think it was every Thursday mornings. I think I was and I was I think I was about eight or nine years old. I still remember it. And it was like the size of an ambulance, and we converted it into a little mini library. And I just loved it. And there was also a, a library on a canal boat in England. And that was unbelievable. Wow. I think it still exists it's in the area of uh, uh, Granary Square in King's Cross, if any of our listeners. What, in London? 
in London. Yes. Oh, wow. If any of our UK um, listeners are out there and uh, they happen to be in a London area, then um, around Granary Square, there is a canal boat library. And the last time I went there, um, which is last year, I went there and there was actually a parrot inside the library too, inside the canal boat. And I surprisingly made my way in there. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I wish I'd had that growing up. I mean, we had the library. Brilliant. We did have that. But it would have been nice to have one that came around a bit like an ice cream van. I know it sounds <laughs> sounds weird, yeah. but, you know, I would have loved that because I loved books as a kid. Uh, I still love books. I still read books. Yeah. I wouldn't read as much as I would like to, but yeah. I love that. I love that kind of comparison because it's just, it's exactly like that, Tracy. You hit the nail on the head. It's like an ice cream van, but um, I suppose with a library book, maybe they'd have to, uh, yeah, they'd have a different jingle or a tone. Wouldn't they? So Probably. maybe classical music. I don't know. I don't know. But don't that's know. not a bad idea. Maybe they should, maybe there's a gap in the market here. You know, maybe that's an idea that can be kind of, uh, you know, resort, you know, yeah. And launched. If, we, if it would encourage kids to read more, it would I think be great. It would be. Because if you think about it, it's like, you know, if you get like, I mean, even ice cream vans. I mean, I don't know if it's the place that I, that I live in, but you don't get ice cream vans anymore. No, I but I mean, the, per- the point of those is they come to places where you don't, can't get ice cream unless it's in a supermarket. And really, in the suburbs they generally have a place where you can go and buy ice cream, like Gillette, especially where you live. Yeah, yeah, um, but when, when I was growing up, I mean, I grew up in a place called Coventry, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not a tiny village; it's city. And mm-hmm. there were corner shops, there were supermarkets down the road in the town centre, and pretty nearby. But every week, we always had an ice cream man come to our road. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know whether or not why why that's died down, but um, yeah. Yeah, there are ice cream. I live near the beach now, and uh, there's an ice cream van on the beach, but it's just it's static, it's just parked, right? So it yeah. could just as well be a hut. So. Oh, well, fair enough. Well, and yeah, maybe we'll bring them back. So yeah. I'm very excited today because we have a guest speaker. We have a guest, we do, we do. and you know this guest. Mm. So her name is Frankie Remy Chang. And Babka, how do you know Frankie? So Frankie and I met when I was working in the creative industry a number of years ago, um, maybe about uh, in about six or six years ago, um, six, seven years ago. I was working at an, an advertising agency, um, which was specializing in digital marketing. And at the time, the industry, in, in the creative industry, especially in the last 10, 10 to 12 years, the industry has really changed. Yeah, seriously taken off. Like, like when I joined the industry, um, you know, not so long ago, there was hardly there's hardly really any any movement in terms of um, digital marketing agencies. And now, you know, you can't go through um, Darlinghurst without um, so many digital marketing agencies left, right, and centre, and on every corner. So um, that's how how much it's it's really um, changed and evolved. Um, so when I was working in the industry, I uh, I was responsible for um, finding talent, and at the time, uh, the the company were were taking on some some very important and groundbreaking digital projects, and we didn't have enough um, talent in the team um, who could basically with that experience because there's a lot of pitching going on for repeat business and for and to retain business, 
a really important time. And so I, I went out on the marketplace because I, I was searching for talent. And um, Frankie's name kept on landing on my on my desk. And um, so I ended up bringing Frankie on to the team on a contract basis, on a short term basis. And um, and she she basically um, she she just blew everyone out of water with her with her uh, creative skill set um, and it's focused and it was all focused on the digital side of things. And what ended up happening was that when we then had when the company then had more digital projects, which they did, everyone would just would just request um, Frankie. So Frankie very fast became um, a very you know must have person to have on your projects when it came to digital um, design. And, um, and yeah, so and I think okay. that's that's very that's very groundbreaking in in the industry. And it'd be great to hear from from Frankie in terms of how she got where she where she has and the challenges that she's faced. And so it'd be really interesting to hear um, from Frankie in her own words about that experience because in our podcast, Tracy, you know, we've these are the themes that have come up in our chats. In terms of um, you know being a being a, a female and, and and in a groundbreaking industry, balancing um, work and work and life when you've mm. also got focus on 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 starting a family, the pressures that that, that that someone in that position would have and how they navigate around that. So I thought it'd be useful and uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be great to really hear it in Frankie's own words. All right, well let's not keep her waiting. So. Without further ado, it's my pleasure, or our pleasure, to welcome Frankie. Frankie Remy Cheng identifies as a cis bisexual woman and as a design director at Banter Projects, who specializes in branded digital experience and was nominated for this year's Women in Tech's People Choice Awards. She loves anything that marries function and joy and is a mum to two kids under five years old. Frankie married an Aussie and moved to Australia about six years ago from the States. Her dad was in the US Air Force, so she moved around a lot as a child. Frankie really loves talking about things that should be normal, things to talk about, but aren't quite there yet for everyone, such as being queer, everyone getting paid appropriately, menstrual cycles and pregnancy, sex, anything that's a shy away topic that really shouldn't be. And that's what we're all about here at All One Inclusive. So thank you, Frankie, for joining us. Hello, hello. How's it going? Good. Great to hear from you, Frankie. How are yeah, you? Yeah, same. Yeah, doing well. Saturday morning, uh, enjoying the nice cold weather finally coming in, which is good. Yeah. I, I have to apologize. We were a bit on and on a bit, didn't we? About how, <laughs> how Bavna, um met you ah, um, yes so we were like oh better let her in and then oh anyway you're here wonderful thank you so much for joining us today yeah of course I so appreciate it and and I just I'm just curious like um what did you think of the podcast because I know that um Bavna sent you an episode to listen to yeah I think it's great um it's what I really enjoyed is that you guys are very conversational so you're talking about your day-to-day like what's going on in the world uh, and it's just a normal conversation like you're not it's not staged you're not staging anything so I, I thought it'd be really lovely to come on and just meet you as well as Tracy <laughs> well it's definitely a pleasure to meet you so thank you for being here and I guess we'll get stuck in because we want to know all about you. Sure. But what I've seen and heard, um, you are an incredible person. 
Thanks. That's really sweet. That's so nice to hear. You know, when you're a freelancer and a contractor and you kind of just go around meeting people um, all the time, they don't usually start off like that because they're trying to hire you for work. So they, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, you seem to know what you're doing. You seem to be pretty good. So it's nice to hear like, you know, you, uh, you think I'm an expert, you fancy what I do and you think highly <laughs> of me. That's so nice. Oh, yeah, it's great to have you contribute to a podcast too, Frankie. And uh, and I know um, one of the reasons why it was great to have it's great to have you here is because I know that um, most recently you've been um, nominated for an award. Which yeah, is- that was interesting. Wow. Yeah, the BNT um, People Choice Award. So uh, just being involved in that is pretty cool. So it was a list of. I think they said 333 women that got nominated um, around Australia for the BNT um, awards, and they they put everybody in um, for the People Choice Award, and, which I think it's great. Like it's great just to include everybody and kind of push it out to your network and get people uh, involved and in, and in knowing that you know women are starting to do things for themselves and have these awards um, dedicated to them in tech which is a big one, which is good. That's a win, I think. Yeah, so it was nice. And it was nice to see everyone kind of promote me and come together and say nice things. Because I, uh, as somebody that's like a tech designer, I'm kind of, you know, head down in my computer all day um, working on digital solutions. So I don't I don't get to talk to people much. You know, like I'm not uh, an account director or somebody that that talks to clients all day um, working out their solutions and, and whatnot. So yeah, it was really cool. It was nice. Yeah, and so and that particular award, you know, it's it's there because um because obviously it's women are underrepresented in the tech industry. And so um what's your take on that and and what's your experience been like in terms of representation in the tech industry? Yeah, definitely. So I started off my career um, working with a startup company actually in tech. So they had uh, a mobile app that they had created and I was helping as a dual position, I was like doing their marketing collateral, but also helping on the app um, as well as like networking and everything. Everything you do is like a junior in a creative position. And yeah, I found there was a lot of guys and they were like kind of surprised every time they met like a junior female designer and they're like, oh, and that was in New York. So um, lots of networking, lots of meeting of other people. And I actually like, I don't think there was a lot of other female junior designers there was like female CEOs which was great so that was a good initiative and then yeah I came to Australia six years ago and I almost felt like I was starting over again it was really interesting yeah I I feel like Sydney for but it's split like half the companies are very aware of this and are finding solutions for that but half of them aren't they're just like still going um, you know with like male creative directors and and not thinking about like having a female creative director to kind of have that point of view to work with they'll just have two male creative directors or three male creative directors yeah yeah Yeah. so that's what I found found that that distinction in the regions like the Americas versus Asia Pac or Australia yeah so like so far that's um the experience I've had and I think as a contractor because I've I've you know change clients every so often i i have been exposed to like a few companies like i think i've been at, at at least 15 companies since i've moved here and yeah most of them are set that way but then the ones that aren't i actually find that they're doing a lot better like they're just more successful in general uh, and then the ones i find that i'm like i just wanted to flag <laughs> i think you're not thinking about like all these different point of views like it, not even if it's women but like you know 
queer point of views and things like that, they just kind of forget. And I find that they struggle to get the right creative or have an impactful campaign or client satisfaction. Even when clients like, you know, fight something a bit, they don't realize because they're coming to you as expert as the experts. At the end of the day, when the campaign goes live, they're like, huh, that's not as impactful as we thought it would be. And it's like, hmm, I wonder why. Right, right. I see, I see. And so, and so because um uh, because you mentioned about you know, when you first started, there wasn't there wasn't very many females at all. So what got you interested in in tech and, and was any role models for you at that time? Honestly, funny enough. So when I was in uni, I was really passionate about being a graphic designer. But I actually had no interest in like designing websites. I was like, no, no, I love the craft. I want to like do, make little cute packages and do logos. And that's all I want to do for the rest of my life. And then uh, I graduated <laughs> and I got into the field and I did do some branding. I worked at a studio that did um, some branding, like logos and identity. But then after you create that, it needs to be implemented and the word kind of needs to get out there. So they would have me design their websites. Um, And so I started doing that and then there was more need for that. And people just kept asking me to do websites and asking me to do websites. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to do websites. And I can't, I can't help myself from like doing it the right way. And tech is so involved. There's so many elements like pixels and dimensions and mobile responsiveness. So I just started learning more and more and more. And then when I moved here from New York, uh, I kind of needed an angle um, to position myself as a graphic designer within Sydney. So I stuck to digital. I was like, I'm really good at digital. I can make you a nice website. It's going to function. It's going to work. It's going to be, it's going to be impactful. It's going to hit the right audience. So I just started specializing in that. And then um, word of mouth, I just kept getting new and new clients. And it's just what I've, what I do now. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, and what sorts of obstacles did you come up against in this very male dominated industry? Yeah. So um, when I work for myself and I'm kind of like the sole creative or I'm working uh, with a marketing team or a strategy team, I find that people listen to me because I'm the only creative. So that like, she's the creative she knows what she's talking about she's the expert but then when I get put on um, creative teams where there are males that are making um, the calls on certain things uh, it's very strange it's like such a social thing it becomes like a boys club so you'll have uh, yeah like these guys that uh, they're like oh what if we do this like you'll just be you know you banter when you're um what is that? Like workshopping ideas, right? Like, oh, what about this? Or what about this? Oh, isn't that funny? And they like instantly go to comedy. It's like a a safe space for them. I mean, I do as well, but like I joke about the things that would be relatable to what we're working on, but they're joking about personal experiences, I find. And that's probably not always the case. It's just the, the experience I've had. Yeah, it's, it's that creative industry vibe where um, it is very much based on banter. And, uh, and and you're right, there is that kind of old boys network kind of in, in play. And I mean, I've, I haven't worked in the industry in many years, but I don't, I don't know how much it's changed. But I know that when I was, I mean, I spent about 18 years in the industry and during those 18 years, it definitely evolved. But that old boys club, that banter, it really did stay. And I suppose, um, and now I suppose, you know, especially with contributing since contributing to his podcast I've had time to reflect 
on my experience in the creative industry, you know, I think to myself in terms of pushing myself as a female and also being a person of colour. I remember in the industry, there were many times when I was the only person of colour in the room. And so, you know, and I, and I didn't really pay much attention to that, but I suppose it was always there. And you're still working in the creative industry. Like, how has the creative industry evolved for women? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I think women supporting women is a uh, is a big help. So when we do connect and find each other, supporting each other. Now, like I'm white, so I'm not a person of color. But when I do connect with other women that are people of color, even men that are um, you know people of color, being an ally is really important. And you don't have to be a white savior. You don't have to be like, yes, this is this person, and we need to do this thing for them. Like ask them you know, they, they have all the answers and representing them in creative is really important. So and that starts from like concept phase. Like if you're going to pull a stock image, pull diverse stock imagery. It doesn't always have to be white people. Like I was walking down the street the other day uh, in, in my, my town in the inner West of Sydney. And I was like, why is everybody Caucasian? Like on every single ad I'm looking at, like, it's not that hard. And it's not even that the population is mostly that, because it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah, Trey, yeah Trey so. Was, uh, thinking of a, just, uh, we had a podcast recently about diversity and marketing initiatives. Do you remember, Tracy, when we mentioned that? Yeah, I mean, actually, you just reminded me of something. When I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, we do uh, recruitment ads to get recruitment to attract patients into trials. And I remember feedback from the team to the digits back to the vendor, the digital guys, that the ads they were creating were not uh, aligned with the population um, because they were white, because they weren't white. There was there were American, Americanized because you have people of color, like African Americans in ads. And I, I actually agreed with them, actually. I did agree. Um, but then the flip side of that for me now is that well, they should have represented. There should have been um, non-white people that are representative of the population because they are African-American. If that guy in the ad looks African-American, I mean, he could be um, African um, heritage living in Australia, for sure. But more common is um, Asian background, Indian background. Um, so there could have been that as a compromise, but that wasn't talked about. Um, and what was and what primarily was talked about is all no white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and actually it just made me think of that. I wouldn't have thought to say anything at that time, but he's thinking about it now after the work we've been doing. So, yeah. yeah. And, and Frankie, do you find that now what's happening in the creative industry in terms of content? Like, uh, is there, like, how much attention is being paid to me? Because this is our, this is our chance to get a look behind the scenes from you, Frankie, in terms of like what's happening in these marketing campaigns. Because, you know, are, is there, are there conversations being had around how we how are we representing um, diversity for this company for this product? Is that prevalent? Yeah. So I can speak to my experience. So at an agency level, I find they're aware of it, but they're still like dipping their toes in. They're like, let's 
let's be safe and mostly stick what we have, but like represent a little bit more of the population, right? So that so that's happening. Um, but it, I also find it's industry based. So like uh, Tracy, you're talking about pharma, so they're they are aware of that and they're doing a little bit of that. But then there's like fashion clients that are they have to be right otherwise they're going to get canceled on social media which is still a thing that's still a thing that's happening right so if they're not representing different body types um different backgrounds uh, even uh like uh accessibility like making sure um you have alt text for imagery on websites so that it's accessible and you can have a reader to read it off font sizes being like a, a good size for reading uh, all of that that's a baseline that's not even uh, like innovation, you know what I mean? Like you need to have those things. Otherwise you're, you're not hitting your baseline. So yeah, it is happening in certain industries as a standard, but then in other industries, they're still kind of dipping their toes in. I see. I see. Right. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And good to hear. And I kind of have to say, I have, I have noticed way more because I remember actually really noticing like surprise oh somebody looks like me on that bus you know it's like oh my god she looks like me and just noticing that all of a sudden I'd say in the last few years really yeah Um, it's definitely been the last few years and I love to hear that because I do have two girls under five that are half um, Chinese and half white and I'm American and my husband's Australian so they're also like dual citizens or American Australian so like having this mix and then thinking about when they're older, are they going to see representation? Are they going to see someone like them? Yeah, it's really, really important. I think people underestimate the impact of that sometimes. But what? And then talking about this, because we do, we do like to touch on the discrimination, not because we want to be like, oh, this is terrible and this happens. But really what we're interested in is knowing if that's a reality that you've experienced and how you handled it, if that's oh, yeah. Mm. yeah, so I used to be pretty shy and like keep to myself when I was in my younger 20s, but now I'm in my 30s and I'm like, I got this. So I kind of flipped the switch. So I went from uh, not saying much, you know, having a lower salary than most of my male companions and then uh, going to advocating, like hearing stuff about... Uh, people uh like girls being like oh I don't know if I'm good enough or oh they told me I wasn't doing a good job and I'm like but you are doing a good job but you need to tell them they don't know they're not standing next to you all the time like watching you do your work you have to you have to advocate for yourself and and then watching them like change like it changes in their eyes they're like you're right I do do a good job why why don't I say anything I have these reviews so um you know telling them to do to do those things stick up for yourself and you are good at what you do and if you weren't you'd probably you'd probably say you were good at your job if you weren't good at your job so like I understand it's hard but but you'll get there you can do that um and then things like just pointing out things that happen in an office space that aren't like appropriate so uh, I have an example for this that I think is a good example because it's it's good hearted and like they weren't thinking about the impact of it. Um, so Mardi Gras being a big celebration in Sydney, obviously. Right. And we're, uh, uh, speaking to like queer rights and love is love and, and all that and inclusivity. I love Mardi Gras. I think it's great. We don't celebrate it like that in the States. So I thought that was really cool. Um, so at work, like a lot of offices will, will do things for that. And one time, um, like HR did this, they sent out an email to everyone at the company 
that was assumed gay. Like they didn't go around asking anybody like, right. And it's also Mardi Gras. Like it's about inclusivity and like, uh, you know, being together in support of all of this. And somebody brought it up to me and they were like, huh, did you get that email? And I was like, no, I didn't get that email. What are you talking about? And they were like, yeah, it wasn't BCC'd or anything. Like I saw everyone on the email and I didn't think I saw your name. And I myself, like I'm queer, I'm bi. So I, you know, I'm married to a man now. So I'm in a, you know, hetero appearing relationship. But like I did date women and men. And <laughs> so it was like, oh, why would they do like when wouldn't, wouldn't they just send that to the whole company and be like, hey guys, we're gonna celebrate Mardi Gras. What do you think would be a good idea? And then from that have a list for all of us to choose from what we do. But yeah, that was that blew my mind. That was like four years ago. That is shocking. That's almost like a professional platform of outing of people. Yeah, that too. That too. Like, yeah, like this the person that was out like had a husband and everything. And that, and so like, you know, sure, but like, you know. But there's also assumptions. It's like it's like whoever made, whoever um, selected the the employees to be on the email. Yeah, how do they know who's from their perspective? And how do how would you ever know? You um, don't. So, you have to uh, I think that's that's the highest level of of uh, assumption I've come across. That's extraordinary. I can't yeah. even comprehend that. Would that? I mean, I get that. I mean, they wanted to celebrate. They wanted to say that we we celebrate this community but wow I think they weren't they mustn't have had their uh thinking cap on had their coffee yet yeah yeah so I found out at lunch and as soon as I got back from lunch I was like hey just so you know like you shouldn't do this (laughs) yeah I'm surprised I'm surprised you pulled it up on it Frankie did yeah that's all right that's right and I'm sure that there must have been uh, more than than just yourself Frankie who would have who would have like reported that or just pulled it up you would have hoped so, but I think honestly, I would have been the only one. I think I honestly would have been the only one because nobody in the email said anything. They like the they were kind of bashful about it, and that's why I'm pretty sure that's why they brought it up to me because I had been known for saying stuff about improper processes and whatnot. Because yeah. everyone needs to like feel comfortable at work. You can't make anybody like I don't know if you've seen any like American high school movies and dramas where everyone's got little clicks and oh, whatnot. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's very much actually like that. Like it's it's uh, very close to reality. So I, having been through that, I'm like, no, no, we don't do that as adults. I mean, we shouldn't do it at all, but we definitely yeah. don't do that as adults. Mm. Good for you, Frankie. Yeah, that's just like, good for you. I, I really like that example. I just can't imagine anyone doing it. I like the idea, but they should have sent it to everyone. You're right. Not presumed who was and wasn't queer, gay bisexual whatever that's just insane anyway yeah and just as the whole the whole idea of this selection process behind the scenes going on that's that's just uh it really is shocking yeah how much time did they spend doing that without without having a little light bulb go off and on what criteria um it's it's crazy it's really crazy wow wow and so um, you mentioned uh, frankie but you've got um two young children under the age of five and yeah. I know that the experiences that I've had with you, Frankie, I know that um, I've previously reached out to you for projects um, and you've been on maternity leave um, or on maternity break and you've still said yes, um, which is a testament to your work ethic. But tell us about that. Tell us more about your experience around around um, the challenges you've had around, you know, focusing on family, but also pressures you might have had um, retaining your, your reputation in the workplace and also navigating motherhood through the pressures of work 
Yeah, definitely. So I, yeah, I have two now. So the first one would have been five years ago. So she's still four and now I have a one-year-old. Um, and I think the experiences between the two were, were definitely um, different. So for the first one, I was a contractor, so I didn't have any mat leave or anything. So I still, like, if I wasn't making money, then like there was no money coming in. So I did go back to doing, picking up some work around two months. She was like two months old. Uh, yeah, but just picking up a little bit of work and only working from home. And this is pre-pandemic. So working from home was like, oh, <laughs> right. So it's very surprising, but luckily I was able to pull it off, which was good. And then, yeah, going back into the workplace um, with the first one, it was like, you know, you're expected to be in the office and you're there from like nine to five. And so having to balance, um, like daycare and pickups and drop-offs with my husband who is like a rock star like we, we were definitely in an equal partnership which is nice um so making all that happen but I was also breastfeeding so like going into these workplaces and being like hi do you have a room where I could pump breast milk in and then being like oh and some of them like having that which was really great I was like awesome and some of them not having that and then making spaces for me which was good at least nobody pushed back and was like sorry you can't do that I guess we'll have to find a new designer or something so I didn't come across that which was nice um but yeah it was challenging and exhausting and uh, I was actually quite like it was a it was the pro to the whole COVID situation and and having to work from home again I was getting to a point before that where like my partner and I were really like kind of missing each other. We were going to work like eight hours a day, but then you have the commute and you have like the pickup for the baby. And then you have to like, you know, have dinner and then you have to give them a bath and put them to sleep. And so like, we just weren't seeing each other. We were exhausted. And then the pandemic happened and we were spending every hour with each other and entertaining a, a toddler at that point. And um, yeah, it was really interesting going through all that. So then post pandemic, I have an, I have my second and everything's a bit more flexible. Like work-life balance is a bit easier because everyone went through, some, we all went through something together and we understand it's not easy and it's kind of hard. So yeah, it was, it was a bit easier. I was a full-time employee at that time. So I did get a few months of mat leave pay, which was lovely. I, it felt like a treat to myself, which is funny. Like it should just, you know, happen anyway, but it felt like a little treat, which was nice. And I got to spend some time um, with the baby and the four-year-old before she started kindy, which was nice. And yeah, so now current state, really great balance. Like I find it psychological. You have to go into your workplace and be like, hi, I'm here to work and I'm going to work and get my job done for the day. And then and I'm going to go home to my family. And that's that. So I think that is a healthier balance than going to work from like, you know, 8 a.m. till 7 p.m. and just like trying to push through the day, but you're potentially exhausted from working a full day the day before, or like you're bored because you've been staring at the same thing for a few hours. So I just go in, I get my job done, and then I go home to the family. If an emergency happens, like I'm still accessible, but I'm not exhausted from being at work for, you know, 10 hours. So yeah. I can answer you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally, I'm totally on board with that. I agree with you. Um, post pandemic, some of the great things that came out of that was the companies psychologically more comfortable with this whole flexibility and working from home. That's definitely one of the positives that have come out of that. And, and the other thing I've heard generally from older generation criticizing the younger workforce, maybe Gen, I don't know, Gen Z, Gen whatever, they, they, get, they get a lot of criticism saying, oh, they just want to work from home. And in our day, you 
you know, everybody was in the office and you went nine to five. There's none of this. Oh, I have to work from home or, you know, criticizing. But I, I'd say, well, it's very different um, now to it was then in the sense that then when you, when everybody worked in the office at nine to five, they worked nine to five. We didn't work seven till eight or eight till seven or and in the night and have the mobile phones constantly replying to work emails constantly checking work emails waking up and checking work emails that was not in that generation so it's completely different workforce now and so you need to accommodate those pressures by having more flexibility anyway but anyway that's just a side thing no I agree with you and I and I see that happening like um, the younger people that I work with are exposed to work all the time they're constantly talking about how they got an email at 7 30 in the morning being like hey do you have all this stuff together for xyz and you're like make sure you log off an hour early and make up for that and they're like no no no, i'll stay on so i actually like although yeah those comments are being said i actually find they work really hard i think they are more in tune with their lives and understand that they're looking for their own happiness, whether that be their career, whether that be hanging out with friends, so they have to work hard at their job to make money and keep a job to hang out with their friends, or if it's the job um, itself, like if they really just wanted to do well in their career. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think, I do think they work hard. I just, uh, it's just a different work, work environment for them. Yeah. It's about and then, I would say um, in terms of the accessibility like nowadays like you know we're talking about different generations it's like um the accessibility with with the younger generation now it's it's 24 hours whereas like I remember when I first started out in the industry like 18 years ago um, or more um, you know it was literally like if you couldn't get them on a landline it was like that was it it was like there was another solution in place but because you know we're, we're, it's it's accessibility it's it's 24 7 it, and it doesn't matter which global location you're in and I think that's definitely changed over the times too yeah yeah absolutely a few just a couple of more questions because I I could talk to you forever actually thank you that's why I'm like it's so interesting as, as a cis bisexual woman and you and actually you talked about this already but I just want if you've got anything else to add how would how do you navigate advocating for diverse groups without falling into the white savior category? Yeah, really important, huh? So, yeah. So there's like personal and then there's work, right? So personally, I moved to Australia six years ago. So I'm still learning about the history of Australia, what's happened here um, and, and whatnot. But luckily, my husband's Australian. He was born here, uh, and he is able to like you know, give me insights to all of that. So even things like uh, Australia Day, right? Like moving the date and whatnot. Like uh, I went to an an Invasion Day rally, and I thought like, and I took the kids with me, and I was like, this A is exposing you to like a history of Australia, and B is showing you what's happening currently because of that history. So that's a personal thing um, that I do outside of work, and then at work. Um, pointing out things like diversity, like we were talking about earlier, but as a creative, like that's my job is to point those things out. Like, and I'm a, as a digital design lead or a UX UI design lead, like user experience, right? Is somebody coming to this website and are we a 
making it accessible for them. So like the font sizes and color contrast, all the, those things I was talking about. But then there's a second level to that on top of just like the baseline um, ac uh, access to the website. It's do they feel welcomed here? You know, do they do they want to shop on an e-com site? Um, do they feel like they're getting the information that they need on a medical website? So so that's the second part of it. That's the creative aspect of it. And then there's another thing, which is like workplace culture, which is the, like the example I gave earlier, but also um, like sitting with different people, having lunch with different people, talking to different people, not assuming that I know anything about them or their culture, right? And asking those questions, having those conversations. Workplaces are great places to, to talk to people and just mm -hmm. get to know them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And let them tell me what they want to tell me about themselves, like dropping the, the information that I'm bisexual. Like, I, like you don't just walk into a room and say it. So it's really funny when I do drop it into a conversation. Cause then my colleagues will either um, say something at the time, which normally doesn't happen. Cause it's kind of funny to react to be like, Oh, did you just say you were bi? Uh, but they'll bring it up later and they'll be like, Oh, I think you said like you were bi, didn't you? Like, you know, how was your experience with that? Like, you know, and how does that change as you get married like you're still you aren't you and and then you get to have those conversations which is really nice um, and because you see each other every day you get to do it in the right like you get time to think about doing it in the right way like oh I'm gonna ask a little question about this you don't feel like you have to get the answer right then and there which mm. is quite you know confronting mm. yeah. yeah 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 so yeah all those things you just I like build it slowly into your work life. Uh, you don't need to like go in guns a blazing or anything, you know, just, mm -hmm. just make it the norm. Yeah. The conversation, getting to know someone. Yeah. I really like that because <clears throat> I actually do see, I have seen in workplaces that click, sometimes clicks that do develop essentially same, same people, not always. And I think you you can just give some really great advice there, you know, sit with someone else at lunch, chat to someone else, get involved in even getting involved in work, work groups or think tanks or initiatives where you, you'll have the opportunity to work with other people, maybe not even in your department, other departments and things like that. So that's, that's a good tip, actually. Um, yeah, for sure. And it's also a tip that kind of needs to go to like the higher ups, like having like setting up environments where this can happen like pros and cons to hot desking of course but like I do like hot desking and being able to move around and meet different people um, but you can also build it into like uh, a profitable situation everyone loves to hear that the higher ups profitable <laughs> um, if you create environments where sure you have departments you'll have um, uh, your marketing team and your product team and your production team and all that stuff but creating projects or leaving opportunity for people to create projects where there's collaboration and overlap. Like I think uh, you can have a marketing experience that is interactive, that is uh, done in a guerrilla style, like you're out on a sidewalk and you're going to do something marketing related, um, but you get like a digital team involved to think about that. Do you do an installation piece? Do you have something projected on a wall? And then that creates a collaborative environment within um, the workspace. But then it also creates a marketing opportunity to reach audiences that maybe you wouldn't have reached before because you're doing it in a different media. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, I like the idea of that, that whole cross-pollination because it's that's the it's it's basically creating an environment where um, where you can learn from one another. You know, and you know, I love the fact that you know, Frank, you've just shared about you know when uh, when you say things, when you drop things in conversation. You know, people may not necessarily ask you at that time, but then you know they might approach you later on, and that's that's curiosity. That's also learning about different perspectives. And uh, and that's you know that's, that's that's what's great about this. So um, yeah, yeah, and that's what that's what um, contributes to then any, any coming a norm. And, and I do give a, I do give advice sometimes to people who wants who you really don't are asked the question how do I how do I ask that question I don't know anything about it how do I learn more about that and it's like just ask people. And but come from a place of curiosity. Like, and the example that we've talked about so many times is when people want to know my heritage and they ask where I'm from. Okay, and we and we did the story about the lady from the Buckingham Palace who almost interrogated um, a guest at a at a, a luncheon um, about where she was from. Right, and that's a, that's a typical example. You can ask a question where you, there's an underlying assumption, or you can ask a question where you've no assumptions, you've no open mind, and you're really genuinely curious and, and, and accept the answer that they want to share. And I, so many times I've nearly been in an argument with somebody about where I'm from <laughs> because they disagree about where I'm from. But anyway, lots of people <laughs> have that. But yeah, you're right. Asking with curiosity is the best advice you can give someone. Yeah, and it's interesting how that all evolved because, you know, I know that that happened with my mom and dad and, uh, you know, back in England and it's still happening now. Tracy, it's happening with you. And, you know, Frankie, you know, you shared that that you've got children who are of mixed race. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how when they, uh, you know, as they as they grow up and how how, and when they have their their conversations, you know, how is that going to be framed? Hopefully it won't even be an issue. Hopefully it won't even be a question. It's, It's always curious. Obviously, when you see, you can see a difference. It's curious. It's like, oh, I, I've seen um, biracial children that are lo- that look, and this assumption, black, black, uh, black background, black African background, and Asian background. And I just think, wow. But I'm biased. I'll be honest. Put my hand up. I think biracial children are beautiful. Um, so I'm a, I'm a bit biased with that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I can't help it. Um, but I also <laughs> need to stop making them because I can't, I can't do anymore. I've contributed <laughs> to the world. And that's it. Um, but yeah, but um, what you were saying, Bahavna, like it's already kind of happened to Josie and I've seen it happen, which is so awful. She's like, I was born here. What are you talking about? Like she's almost five. Um, and a woman came up to her and was like, you know, she has a bit of an American twang because she's picked it up for me. And she's like, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, uh, and Josie's like, I'm here, obviously. Like I'm right here. What are you talking about? Um, but I've seen it happen to Dave, my partner as well. Like people ask, where are you from? And I'm the American and people will ask him first. They're like, oh, where are you from? And he's like, I was born here. Why why would you say it like that? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's common. So yeah, how to to address that resourcefully is just always interesting. Yeah, it's the tidbits. You have to be a good listener as well. Like you can't Mm. just ask questions. You like, I dropped the tidbit, you know, for them to get curious about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, we're running out of time. I just want to ask you one more question because we're in 
I love it. I'd love we could stay here for hours, couldn't we, really? But anyway, what advice would you give to anyone working in the creative industries, given all you've experienced? For sure. Um, starting off, like definitely advocate for yourself. It's a bit of a psychological game. So as soon as you get into a workplace, set up your your lines that you're not going to cross and and stick to them. So don't get to work an hour early. Don't do it. Just show up on time. It's fine. You could be five minutes early if you want and leave on time. Like, you know, there'll be emergency situations where like you have to do something at night, but then like you are doing them a, a great deal by, by doing this thing and you make it seem that way. And you say, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> Let's make up for it another way. Um, And then as you go, like Definitely try to expose yourself to as many different people as you can. Just like learn from them, learn from their experiences. If you're a graphic designer, you're also a graphic communicator. Like you're you're communicating to the masses. Like anybody can see your stuff now with the internet. So just make sure you're always thinking about who the audience is, who the audience could be. Am I making something that would speak to them, would just speak to as many people as possible? What else? try to be an ally if you can. Like if you're shy, like do um, the tactics I was just talking about, like get, get curious, talk to people in the workplace, um, learn a bit about them. If you're a creative, like a visual communicator, try to get those things into your concept pieces. Like I said, with the stock imagery, definitely um, try to use a diverse group of people that represent the audience or the country that you live in band together that's a good one <laughs> like there's definitely going to be times in your career where you're um, the sole person the sole designer the expert on a project the art director for a client things like that so in those moments take any knowledge and any friends that you have that you've packed together and use that as strength towards advocating for yourself and and making good work yeah wonderful thank you I love that advice I really Great. do yeah no, and especially the setting boundaries because I think that's that's really lacking sometimes and often with women who feel they have to almost like they have to prove themselves and I've been guilty of this you just have to your 100% my 100% I'm talking about me really used to be above and beyond whatever whatever anybody asks of me basically and I, I often that would go outside of the the normal hours often and it became like it's annoying and that, and that can be problematic it's just not it's not good for you it's not good it's not even good for whoever you're working for so yeah I really really love that advice thanks for sharing that thank you for sure the only reason I've been able to like figure these things out is because I'm a contractor and because I've been able to s- reset so many times and mm-hmm. I learn each of these little things each time so I've made I've made these mistakes myself like I've done them and mm-hmm. so now I'm like I've got this little formula that I follow when I take on a new client yeah actually that's that's a good point because you can be able to reset start fresh start new with a new client how you want to move forward and that, that might not be as easy if you're staying in the same company because you've 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 been giving this behavior for such a long time to turn around suddenly and go right I'm not doing that anymore can be quite a a jolting experience for you know the people that you work with so that's a really good point actually so you'd have to be a bit more gentle with that think about how you do that Mm. 
Yeah, it's hard. So hopefully, like, if you're going to take on that advice, hopefully you're not in a position where you feel like it's too late. It's like, it's never too late. It might be yes. hard, but you can, you can do it. Exactly. Never too late. All right. Bethany, have you got anything else you want to add before we wrap yeah, up? I suppose, um, yeah, I suppose one final thing I wanted to ask you, Frankie, was uh, if you could change one thing about the creative industry to help, which would help up and coming young women entering the industry what would it be um if I was going to sum it up in one word inclusivity which I think you guys know that word pretty well um being inclusive in everything you do and if you are a, a creative leader at any company agency whatever it is you have to make the change for those people coming in like it's so hard for them to fight that battle themselves you you have to have a backbone and you have to push back and you have to do these little things that make them feel welcomed, make them feel confident that they're good at what they do and don't fear the little talkings that are happening up here. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, if the people down here are happy, they're going to do good work for you. It's going to happen. Your clients mm -hmm. will be happy and then they'll be happy. So yeah, absolutely. And Hendy agrees. He just said my dog, he was barking then. And yes, be allies, be the allies who are inclusive and senior leaders who are inclusive. Absolutely. Because that helps everyone. Yeah, it's not fair to put the pressure on the people coming in. No, not at all. That's, that's, oh. that's valuable, valuable insight and advice there, Frankie. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank Same. You. Thanks, thank everyone. You. Thanks for having me. This is oh. lovely. You're welcome. I will like get on with the rest of your day. Enjoy the time with your children. Thanks. We'll do. They're just waiting outside the door for me. So I'm gonna go <laughs> give them a hug now. All right. Thank Thanks you so much. Thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 Oh, that was awesome. She's amazing. She's lovely, Frankie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, such wise woman. And she's, you know, all these experiences and she's so such an advocate. She's she really knows. Yeah, it was really interesting hearing about like you know those experiences, those key experiences of her, you know, moving from the US, like being able to compare like different regions, mm -hmm. like countries, like US versus Australia, and then they sharing that experience, that shocking like situation with a creative agency that she was with around that Mardi Gras communication, and uh, and yeah, and just um, the advice, the invaluable advice that she's given to to women who are entering the tech industry or who are currently working in the tech industry and maybe, you know trying to trying to find it difficult to navigate through some of these issues that we cover so yeah. that, was, that was very insightful very insightful and really good perspective and she had really really valuable advice to share uh, and you know she's she's echoing what on what we say all the time allyship is really important and it's not, it shouldn't be the responsibility <clears throat> of the underrepresented, like women, like people of colour, to have to educate people or, or even, I don't like to say the word fight, but I, it is almost like a fight. Fight so hard to be valued, to be seen, to, to have opportunities, to smash through that glass ceiling. It, it, it shouldn't be on the shoulders, solely on the shoulders of people. 
Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's really interesting to hear how, um, because how Frankie's on that other side that we don't see in terms of um, the decision-making. I know it's not always down to Frankie, but, you know, she, Frankie's working with the decision-makers in terms of who are we going to have to represent our brand, our, our voice, our community, our, our company, our vision. And seeing how, you know, in some areas like, for, as Frankie mentioned, like, for example, in the fashion industry, yes, you know, there's, there's, there's certain differences that's, that's really being seen, but there's still such a long way to go. Um, so, and that's, that's something that, um, that, that leaders in the industry, yeah, really should be um, focusing on. So if I ask you, what was the, the key thing, the message that you took away from speaking to Frankie today? I think it was what I've just mentioned now is the fact about the um, about about the how how different industries have evolved or haven't evolved over the last uh, you know the last twenty years and how much change is being seen in specific areas or industries compared to not and uh, like I would have yeah you know you know we we share news articles from different industries whether it be um finance whether it be um entertainment fashion um whether it be um, like like any of any of our industry and it's interesting to hear from frankie about how there's only really certain industries that have really made you know there's still such a long way to go there's only certain industries which have made a significant difference Mm. So, um, and even when it comes to regions like the USA, it was only six years ago, Frankie mentioned, but it's like she had, she had those experiences in the US and then compared to what she's experienced in Australia in six years, you know, mm. and so I suppose that for me was, uh, was that real takeaway point. Okay. I guess for me, I've always felt that other countries, uh, other <clears throat> developed countries are in a lot of ways more ahead than Australia. And I noticed that when I moved here 15 years ago, I was felt in lots of different ways, Australia was quite behind. And one of those would have been the diversity inclusivity. You know, we talk about media representation way, way behind. Given the population in Australia of Australians that are non-white, it's very behind. But anyway, and so that was something that struck me that she noticed it. And coming from America as well would be noticeable. And then the other thing that I really liked of what she said uh, about um, the work she does. And, you know, she works, she represents different brands, fashion, pharma. She represents so many industries with their digital communications, if you like, is does this make people feel welcome? When, they, when, when you're communicating with them, do they feel welcome? And when you say people... I'm assuming she means all people, all people in the country, your, your target audience. And then it goes to speak to, well, is your target audience only white people over 50? Or is your target audience everyone that you can help who may be non-white, LGBTQI, able-bodied, or living with a disability, or living with chronic disease, or neurodiverse, whatever? Do you make all, all those people feel welcome? Uh, and she said she used that term, do they feel welcome? And that, that's the thing that, that stuck with me. And the, and the other thing I loved about what she said was how, how you can advocate simply by being curious and getting to know different people, to people that are different from yourselves, yourself. That was, that was what I took away. That was a, that was a good guest speaker there. It was. Thanks. Thanks, Sarah.
thanks for inviting her. Yes. It's good. All right, gonna wrap it up for today. Yeah, great. Thank you, Bhavna. As always. I hope our listeners enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!